Ladies and gentlemen, for the third consecutive week, it's the Dying Alive podcast, now breaking the record of two set by Rich Miller and Jesse Marshall when they did uh, Miller versus Marshall Penn's blog podcast. We've cracked the record, gentlemen. I'm Jesse Marshall from The Athletic. Mike Darnay from Pennsburg's here. Say hello, Mike. Hello. Pat Damp from the Penn's blog is here. Say hello, Pat. Hello, Pat. We're going to talk about hockey. We are. That's a short rundown of today's agenda. Anybody want to add anything? <laughs> um, I got a new microphone. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Yeah, Pat's got it. Is that new? It is new. I don't I've know. Heard it, I've heard about it. I've heard about it from several several outlets. Several so saying, outlets. So what you're saying is, it's a new mic. Uh, new ish. Uh, it's on hour twenty seven of existence with me. So yeah, it's like getting older by the moment. Um. Let's start out with this preseason stuff. Uh, did anybody see Pierre Lebrun, uh, also of The Athletic, his tweet about moving the preseason in a different direction and then not having the playoffs extend until June and cutting preseason games out? Here's what I would like to say. Yeah. Clap it up. I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, didn't see it, but definitely agree. Um, hockey extended into June is just, nah. Hockey in September is cool because it's a new thing again, right? Like it, you've been away from it for at least a couple months and it comes back and you're reintroduced and, and there's that, you know, old love affair you have with it. But then you're watching preseason hockey and you're like, no, nah, now yeah, I have yeah. to sit around for two weeks and, and wait for the actual thing to begin. Yeah. You see these lineups with players who, I mean, now coming from an outlet here in Pittsburgh with a, a team that's going to be iced on October 4th, stacked with talent i could see fans in other markets who are amped for preseason hockey where they're getting their first look at prospects looking at who's going to make the team but in pittsburgh situation you have legitimately what one roster battle maybe yeah. two at most yeah, yeah and it, all it's all it's done not to cut you off pat but all it's done <laughs> is made this daniel sprong situation uh completely unbearable it, it's the only thing to discuss really yeah no it is Right, And the other thing I was going to say is I can't come in from a market like Pittsburgh. I can't speak for all of the other 30 markets, but I know here, not all of the preseasons televised. And as much as I enjoy Mike Lang and Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork, I, if in a preseason game, I need to see it, you know, cause there's guys you're, you, you want to watch, like we said, sprung, then you want to watch the goaltending battle a little bit. And you if you can't watch it, it kind of takes away from, the whole novelty of having hockey back. So I'm all for, you know, switching it up because right now the most I'm getting out of it ex with the exception of two games is I haven't seen what the team looks like. I've just heard and read about it. Yeah. And, and to a further point in other markets, um, you could have fans of ho who, who love hockey, who are ankle deep in a playoff baseball postseason race, wild card race. And you have the NHL, or NFL, sorry, warming up, getting into full swing, coming into week four here soon. Um, so I can see why people could opt not to tune in for the preseason. So 
mixed bag of results. The Penguins are playing uh, actually right now at the time of recording. The game just started against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they lost a couple games, you know, Detroit, Buffalo, uh, but they uh, destroyed the Columbus Blue Jackets 7-3. to three. Uh, Redemption achieved for Jim Rutherford in the uh, Jack Johnson uh, feud. I say yes. I, I agree. Um, That's obviously, I'm, you know, we're not. not very easy. Let me, let me clarify that this isn't that big of a deal, but. Yeah, <laughs> it's very easy for John Tortorella to fill his diaper, though. Oh, it's it's the easiest thing in the world. He he can get mad and upset and jammed up about anything. Like I, I can only imagine how many managers that guy has asked to see in his life. Probably at least ten <laughs> this year. No, no, I mean at the very least ten overall. I mean, it could be five hundred, but at the very least ten. Yeah. Uh, and ironically enough, the Columbus game was the only one I actually saw because I think that game was televised. The other three were not. I don't know. Um, Matt Cullen looked great in the Columbus game from what I saw. We talked about this every week we've done this podcast so far. I reiterate. I'm this, gonna is, inc- this is now a Matt Cullen podcast. It is now a Matt Cullen podcast. And I, I you know, I, you just think about what the Penguins looked like last year and they didn't have it. They didn't have that fourth line. Mike Sullivan was clearly uncomfortable with deploying it, especially through the first half of the season when, when Ryan Reeves was on that line. It became more sheltered. It, it got utilized. Mike Sullivan. Um, I want to touch on something, though, not to change the subject here, but I want to let's rewind for one second because you guys brought up John Tortorella. I think that heavy disciplined coaches like Tortorella have a, a shorter shelf life than their regular run-of-the-mill NHL coach. Let's think for a moment about coaches that have had extremely long runs in one environment. Okay, Mike Babcock, right? We would view him as more of a tactician. Maybe not now. I know our opinions on him have shifted. Um, but at the time, he was able to stay in one place for so long, not just because he was winning, but he's just a very level-headed guy. Let's, let's talk about Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff, and look at his tenure with the Buffalo Sabres. Lindy Ruff, again, he'd give you the business – if, if necessary, but overall pretty level-headed, pretty even keel. Uh, do we put Mike Sullivan in that category? Mike Sullivan's not afraid to scream and yell on the bench. I think his introduction to the Penguins was one of shut up and let me do the talking, which at the time, by the way, very necessary because Mike Johnston didn't say anything. Uh, but where do we categorize Mike Sullivan in the Pantheon of coaches attitude-wise? Do we view him as like I a – go ahead. I, was gonna, I think it falls in that same category – where he has no problem with being a hard ass or putting players in their place, but it's always in the context of the game, maybe because the team isn't playing the way he knows they're capable of. It's not being a hard ass just to be a hard ass. No, I agree with that, Pat. Yeah. And I mean, I would say his biggest asset is that he, he knows the temperature of his team and he reads the room and the situation really well, which is one of the things that, to me, puts him in that upper echelon of coaches because to build on what you were saying, Jesse, the the hard-ass disciplinarian dictatorship kind of coach, that act only works for so long because you're looking for continuity in your, your core leadership, right? Like your Crosby Malkin, Kane Taves, uh, you know, um, Ovechkin, Backstrom, that kind of thing. So eventually those guys eventually just wall you off because they know the act like they know that 
you know, okay, this is the time of the year where he kicks a garbage can and chews us out because it's the dog days of winter and we had a bad game against the bottom of the standings team. Whereas a guy like Mike Sullivan's going to come in and rather than freak out, he's going to say something like, guys, you know you're better than this and you know this kind of effort's not going to fly when we get into April. So it doesn't matter that we're playing, you know, the Coyotes in December. You need to treat it like we're playing the Capitals in, in May. So, and not to mention, a lot of those hard-ass coaches are stubborn. They're set in their ways. They're going to do what they want to do. Whereas a guy like Mike Sullivan, as we've seen in his two years as, or three years as coach, he'll switch up if need be. And that's gigantic. I don't need to, to, I think you guys both covered it very well. I, I would also point to the way that he handled. Now, look, one of the reasons that the Penguins goalie situation with Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury woke, worked out so well is because they're both good human beings. Um, and Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, obviously a great guy. I mean, he's a consummate professional. But I think the way Mike Sullivan handled it and sitting them both down and explaining it to them in a logical and adult way uh, also went uh, a long way. Um, so, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, what I was going to build on with that was um, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was Mackie or somebody else reported after the 2016 Stanley Cup, apparently, um, right when Sullivan came in at the end of Johnston's tenure, the power play was struggling mightily. And Sullivan called Crosby and Malkin into his office and basically said, do you guys want to play on the power play together? And they both pretty easily said yes and he was like okay you got five games to prove to me that you belong on the same unit or I'm breaking this unit up and the next five games they went out and lit the world on fire so the guy knew, knows how how what buttons to push and how to get his the best out of his players yeah it's it's being a hard ass with a purpose like this isn't Mike Keenan putting Alexei Kovalev out on an eight minute shift I think that Mike Sullivan is one of the top three tacticians in the national hockey league and not that anything he's done with this hockey team has reinvented the wheel. Right. Um, you think about the thing that some of the things that Mike Johnston has done at the junior level. Um, I think he's, I think he's changed the game in, at the junior level with how he coaches. Uh, I don't think that flew in the national hockey league. Uh, and I think that Mike Sullivan's approaches to hockey are all very day one. Take the, do what he's good at is a getting them to do something else on the fly which just doesn't happen in the national hockey league um you think about a guy like um i mean any number of coaches guy boucher is the one i'll mention uh he comes in with that one three one in september and no matter how long the season lasts that's the same system he's playing in april and there's not going to see any variation that's the way it is you're locked in um to your point about the power play pat mike sullivan runs structurally the exact same power play that Mike Johnston did. All he's done is changed the means to the end, right? The end result is always going to be score goals. That's a given. Uh, the, the focal point of the Penguins power play previously was in that slot area, the James Neal shot, the soft area in the middle. It was a one free one, just like it is now, same system. But the focal point was the center of the ice. As we said on this podcast last week, the focal point now is Phil Kessel. That center option becomes available more often now than it used to because it's no longer the focal point. They now have options at the point they didn't have before. They now have options where they'll float guys down towards the net instead of up towards the point. Um, Structurally speaking, 
Same thing. Difference is how they go about their business. And that, to me, that's crazy because he didn't – foundationally, he didn't have to overhaul the whole thing. He just had to well, – getting Phil Kessel helped. But all he had to do was move the puck to the outside, change the approach and say, OK, we're not just going to – we're not going to telegraph it to the slot anymore. Uh, that for me is huge. Can I, can I ask you a question and flashback half a second? Yes. If Mike Sullivan is top three tactician in the NHL, who are the other two? No, they're the two. I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I mean, you make that claim. You got to, you got you got to, you got to wait. You got to hope there's a follow-up. No, no, no. I, there's a follow-up. No, that's I'm, a good I'm a modern day Anderson Cooper here. So, but, but Anderson Cooper exists in our modern day, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever. whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't really think that one through. Anderson Cooper's not from a time gone by. <laughs> um, so I, I would say Todd McClellan is going to be one. Um, not anymore, um, but I, I think in the, <laughs> I think he had his time. I, I think there was a time where uh, that was true. Um, I, I think now, for whatever reason, he's found he's found innovative ways to use good players. Um, I, I think that. A funny, a funny thought I'm having here, sorry to interrupt you, is a past version of Todd McClellan, funny enough, ran into a past version of Mike Babcock, and that was kind of what kept Todd McClellan from reaching a higher ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Peter DeBoer is another one. Um, I think Peter DeBoer did everything in his power to try to beat the Penguins in 2016, and the, the Penguins are just a better team. Um, but he changed a lot. And there was a point in that series where he realized that you know, the Sharks were a team that really used the boards effectively. They were heavy. They're, you think about the Sharks, they're a big team, right? I mean, we would say they're a big team. Um, he, he, I think, realized mid-series that that's not going to work against the Penguins' speed. Uh, maybe it was silly that he tried it in the first place, um, but that changed. And, and the, the, as the games went on, the Sharks' pace picked up. I think the things they did in the neutral zone were different. Uh, I think their approach in trying to pin the Penguins in changed. Um, Mike Sullivan was always one step ahead of him. Um, but I, I think I have a lot of respect, I think, for what Peter DeBoer does as well. And, and I think Mike Babcock, too, I, even though I don't agree with the way that Mike Babcock coaches the Toronto Maple Leafs, I, don't, I, don't, I can see why he does things the way he does. I don't think that's correct. Uh, I think it's, it's a lot of, in a lot of ways a Michelle Terrian problem where it, you know, we have to make these players be responsible in excess defensively because our team has a defensive weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike Sullivan took the opposite approach of the Penguins is, Hey, our defense sucks. Let them run wild. You know, yeah, our, everybody our, go. You can, you can our just offense, go. Yeah. A good, a good offense can help a bad defense. We forecheck the hell out of the other team enough. They're not going to be able to get a puck out of their own zone. Anyway. Go ahead. I was going to say, and speaking of defense, there is one person on the Penguins defense in camp and preseason that we do need to talk yes. about. I, I really like Yuso Rikula. really do. I, I think that what's amazing to me how he's made this transition to this ice surface. And for that matter, guys, do we overplay that? Is that overplayed? I don't, I don't think it is for defensemen. Okay. For forwards, yes, because you have a lot more free reign as a forward, so to speak. You know, as the for the you know to play two hundred feet as opposed to a defenseman where you have to play your angles a little bit differently. You have to cover a little bit more area in the defensive zone. 
So I think it's it's still overplayed to a point, but I think it has more of you have more of an argument to make with a defenseman than you do a forward. Uh, we're gonna have our first podcast fight. You ready? Okay. I disagree with you. I think it's easier for defensemen. Hot, first of all, how dare you? Second, second of all, all, how dare how you? How dare you? <laughs> Third of all, really? Uh, I think it's easy. We did the people aren't going to realize that we did this exact same thing before the show, and we're just repeating the joke. So inside, it, it inside scoop. That's a, that's Di- an inside joke. Dying alive. You don't inside it. scoops. You don't get those. Cool you don't friends. get those anywhere else. <laughs> um, I think it's easier for defensemen, Pat, and here's why forwards are used to having more space to dangle, more space to operate. Defensemen are used to having more space for guys to take them wide. And I think I think from a reverse pivot and play defense facing the forward, I do think there is val- there's total validity to what you said. It's not easy. Let's get that out of the way first. And some of the points you made were very good. I think for defensemen, though, to not have to worry about that extra couple feet wide is a huge deal for them because it allows them to keep a better gap, a more aggressive gap. To me, that's the best part of Yuso Regola's game is that he is on on top of you the moment you get to the red line. You've got no space. You've got no time. And and I, I posted an article on The Athletic about him. The clip that stood out to me the absolute most from any minute he's played in the preseason is a faceoff that was occurring inside the, the, the offensive zone. So the Penguins are in an offensive zone, zone draw on the near boards. He's at the point near side. Okay, Sabres win the faceoff. They reverse the play around their net to start the breakout. And he immediately identifies, Ricola does, that there's a wide open winger untouched in the circle. Right. So imagine this play coming around the net. The Sabres are coming up ice with a head of steam on the far side. And they have a they have a, a, a pass orchestrator wide open in the dot that is ready to laser this puck across two lines into some forwards breaking through the neutral zone. Ricola pivots himself at a 45 degree angle, glides in, and the moment I mean, his ass is out, guys, he's got his ass out, bent, and ready to destroy someone. The moment that puck touches the forward, he d- obliterates him. He just absolutely <laughs> obliterates him. And, and, and to me, that's such a smart play because you, if you watch it develop and you watch Ricola's line of vision, right, he's watching this happen. M- s- 10 seconds before it does he's not 10 because the play wasn't that long but you know five six seconds before everybody else does he's identified an open man you know i think the default sort of non-aggressive move there is just to position up get in the neutral zone and wait for that rush to come right back up he doesn't back up he attacks the guy he knows he's got help behind him and he says if i don't go in here and break this up uh, this thing's going the other direction, right? Quick and in a hurry. To me, when I saw that clip, I said, "This dude's going to be. A, he could play in the NHL. No, to forget it." That to me was so savvy. It was so smart that at that point, any doubt I had about his transition or where he is in his development was completely quelled. So you you could almost say that Ricola made the Sabers cough up the puck. Phil Kessel uh, has scored one nil Penguins. Uh, yes, by the way, Mike, that I don't want to distract from the fact that that was an absolutely phenomenal pun. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, you um, really went full-throated with that one. All right. Let's get him out. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to get him out. <laughs> get him all out now. I don't want to wait. I don't need to do this all night. Come on. Let's go. That's all I got. Um, no, but I, I, I'm just impressed. And, and again, 
I look at the way that, that he takes chances offensively. And I look, now I know people, what, what really, what this situation has created is more opportunity for people to take a dump on Jack Johnson. And I'm going to be honest. I would like to at least see Jack Johnson play a game. Okay. I want to see that first before I go inserting uh use, uh, use Ricola into the lineup, but my goodness, uh, No disrespect again to be able to take important minutes in the playoffs for, for that matter. Um, the guy can play, but there, there's something mysterious about Yuso Rico that you just want to see him more uh, because he's such an unknown. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's like it, you, you see you see an instance of it and you're like, OK, we see what we got here in eight minutes. What can we see in a 10 game sample? Yeah. And not to mention um not to take away from what he's done because, you know, I did read what you wrote on the athletic and obviously heard it here, Jesse. So I am with you on that. The other thing is think about who they've played in preseason, not to mention it's preseason. So you're playing half the AHL as well. So they've played Detroit, Buffalo, Columbus. Like I want to see what Ricola can do against, you know, the capitals or the lightning or Toronto same goes for Jack Johnson, because, you know, if he looks okay in the preseason, great, but he's playing the JV Sabres and the JV Red Wings. Like, I, he, sure, you can look great against them, if, especially if you're an NHL talent. I want to see what you do against the whole roster. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's fair. And I think that it's you know, unfortunate that the Penguin situation right now is that there's just not any space. And I think it'd be crazy to not put to use our ritual and Wilkes first grant to continue that transition. And he, he has the makeup of a player who could go down there and just dominate, just dominate the American hockey league. Yeah. And, and be your first injury call up or. Which, and let's be honest, it's going to happen. I yeah, mean, look, absolutely. The Penguins, that, that's their, that's their thing. Uh, injury, you know, we constantly talk about the exorcism needed and all that. I mean, that's, that's how but it's, it, it happens. And, and they've had bad luck. I was going to say, it's the same way the Penguins ended up needing to use Chad Ruiel. Right. Well, I was going to say, and to build on that too, can we, we do have to acknowledge that they've done a lot better job in the last four years of building depth within the the organization than they did prior. Because I remember like all those injuries you were like, especially in that 2011 series against Tampa, you were like, oh my God, there's nothing here. So now like, aside from the big boys going down for a long period of time, there's enough in the system that they can go, oh, we'll be good for two, three weeks. We got enough guys that can step in and play a meaningful role for a couple weeks. Remember Taylor Chorney? Oh God. Caps fans do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I, I think, you know, let Chris him go down Connor. There and let him, yeah. Let him <laughs> go down there. Was he, was he the one, was Chris Connor the one that made the drop pass on the breakaway? No, he was the one that fell on the penalty shot against Tampa. Who made the drop pass on the breakaway? Oh God, I cannot remember. But I just, I remember because that was uh, that was prime Penn's blog back in the day. They made that gif of the waffle hitting his foot and he fell. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna drive me crazy. That I can't remember that. Anyway, um, moving along. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just gonna say, given so you just mentioned the roster log jam and not enough space. I in. Given that, I don't think there's any surprises given the cuts the Penguins made. Nah, no. No, not at all. Between, um, between who was sent back to junior and who was sent to the AHL, I don't think there was anything surprising there. Um, do we want to step outside of the uh, National Hockey League for or the uh, uh, Penguins-centric piece of the podcast for a moment here? Yeah, sure. Uh, I believe so, we can do uh, that. 
So news came down today. Corey Perry had surgery on MCL and meniscus out for five months. There goes the duck season. Uh, you know who um, three days ago selected Corey Perry as one of the 10 keepers in his fantasy hockey league? Oh, uh, I don't this, know. Was on, this was on Final Jeopardy last night. Yeah, it was just the other day. It was me. Oh, um, man, I knew I thought I knew that. That's a bummer. So yeah, that, that does um, suck. He'll be going on IR and I'll hopefully be able to draft somebody better. I'll say, but. and along with the, along with Corey Perry going down, we also have Seth Jones four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. Yeah, that's another big one. Um, I it does not pain me at all to see Columbus Blue Jackets getting injuries. Honestly, I cannot say I'm upset about it. This is a hot take that I'm about to spit. Oh, let us have it. Oven's open. I'm tired of gritty. Already <sighs> tired of gritty. It's been 36 hours. Tired of the gritty jokes. Jesse, I, got, I agree with you. I can't do it anymore. Dude, it it was so it. it was so much so soon. I was like, all right, I get it. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows who Gritty is because of the overkill. But uh, Monday morning, the Flyers dropped the news that was rumored to be coming of having a mascot, which I think they were one of the few teams, if not a mascot, but. They introduced Gritty, who basically is the Montreal Canadiens mascot UP on meth. Um, or meth. Pause for a once. moment. Uh, Phil Kessel strikes again. Nice. Um, assists to both Malkin and Hagelin. That line ain't not coming apart now, boys. You must, I, <laughs> you I love that you, line. you just put that line right where it is because it's not going anywhere. Uh, Go I right ahead, though. I love that idea. I love that idea of the Hagelin, Rassard, Hornquist line, but I've, I'll take a Hagelin, Malkin, Horn, uh, Kessel line all day too. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah. Gritty's Gritty is on meth, which is a good tie-in. Gritty's on meth, <laughs> which is which is a good tie-in with the Philadelphia Flyers because the other news that came out today is Flyers forward Yuri Laterra apparently. A modern day Pablo Escobar, which I use modern day in the correct tense this time. You did. Uh, is apparently, I wouldn't say implicated, but being investigated as part of a massive cocaine ring in Finland. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Um, this is silly season in the National Hockey League. It's silly uh, season. It, it is. The, the amusing joke that I saw, which not to make fun of substance abuse, if Yori Letera was using cocaine is I saw somebody said uh, he must not have been using cocaine because he could not be any slower. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, pretty good. So, so yeah, go ahead, Pat. Please. I was going to say uh, conspiracy theory. What if they announced gritty to bury the Yori Letera news? Yeah. Did he um, fall, by the way? Is that a thing? That oh, did he fall? ever? I didn't watch the video. I muted Gritty on Twitter. Okay, so so <laughs> to, to give context to the timeline, Gritty was introduced Monday morning. Gritty made an appearance at a game Monday evening. Gritty fell during a game on Monday evening and then shot somebody in the back with a T-shirt launcher, I believe. Mm. In the same night. <laughs> Correct. 
Wow. His fall was just brutal. I mean, like, it wasn't like he, you know, slipped a little bit and, you know, caught himself. He lost his footing and went ass over teacups. That's a good, that's a good saying there. I like it. Um, Mike, have we gotten any correspondences this week? I have several correspondences here. Let's um, send to the people because we're kay. a podcast to the people. We are. We care about the readers. We are. Um, we're here for the readers. All right. So I'm going to get this one over with and out of the way first, just so I don't irritate Jesse anymore. Uh, Laura would like each of our takes on Gritty's real origin story. I'm fine with this because it allows us to be creative. I'll allow this Gritty talk. <laughs> um, can we can we rename the podcast Gritty Talk? I'm Is like, it too late? <laughs> <laughs> it's three episodes too long of a name. Like we had the name for too long. Do people know us by this yet? I mean, all I'm saying is I did get that shout out from uh, from Ninth Street Deli after last episode. They said yeah, somebody that works. Did, yeah, they, they said somebody that works there listens to Dying Alive. So if Indiana's finest sandwich shop knows the name. I guess we're stuck with Too late it. to change. Yep. Um, so I guess my origin story is, uh, you remember in Ghostbusters 2? <laughs> this uh, is off to a great start. Ah, huh, serious. Remember in Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> when there was the ooze running in the subway tunnel, right? Yes. And like it, it was fueled off of people's hatred, right? And like it, 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 it would react to emotion. Right, that we're familiar with this concept, everyone. Yes. Okay, Mike's choking. Um, so, R.I.P. Uh, peace. Uh, gritty, gritty. To me, his origin story is he formed in a very similar fashion um, from all the bad takes in Philadelphia. He is the amalgamation of bad takes in Philly, and as more uh, matriculate, which they are oft to do, uh, his powers will increase, um, and eventually, I don't know if there'll ever be a painting involved. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my origin story. I'm going to stick with UP on meth. Okay. Don't why change a good thing. Yeah, no need to. I think he, um, was just formed out of a, a bad shipment of cheese whiz on those vastly, vastly overrated Pat's and Gino's cheesesteaks. Mm. You know what? I'm going to be, here's a take about food. I don't even care about cheesesteak. How about that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's no big not, deal anyway. It's no big, hey. no big deal to me. Uh, not a big deal to you. Uh, Geoff asks, how many times has Pat mentioned his new microphone since yesterday? <laughs> I believe that's spelled J-E-F-F. J-E-F-F. Yes. And, Next question. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 huge, huge shout out to uh, Jeff and Rez from Penn's blog today as I was driving to Philadelphia. Um, as they were well aware, I had a four or nearly five hour drive ahead of me. And they messaged me, I believe, 45 times. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Alex asks, everyone's best cereals. Oh, I can't. This is hard. I'm not oh. ready for this. Oh, God. I, um, I don't. I'm not a cereal guy anymore. Uh, I am a cereal guy. I'm a box a weeker. Uh, definitely I'm a cereal not, box a weaker. I am not at all. I used to enjoy a bowl of cereal. Um, and my answer is Fruity Pebbles. All right. So I have... Uh, Right now in my cupboard, I have Fruity Pebbles. Right now, it's a good call. Right yeah, uh, here's some. Here's some. I've, I've been. I got out of the cereal game for a while. I got <laughs> out of it. 
but I'm back in hard now. I'm back in it. Um, I always think it's funny though. Like I've Thai cereal cause I've always been a cereal eater. So like certain cereals remind me of certain points of my life. Like <laughs> Fruity Pebbles. I distinctly remember being at my grandmother's house, God rest her soul, sitting on the floor of the living room, eating the biggest ass bowl of Fruity Pebbles you've ever seen in your life watching DuckTales. Cause as oh. soon as I got off the bus, I'd eat cereal after school and watch DuckTales um, and Rescue Rangers. Cereal has um, Rescue Rangers and then Darkwing Duck. There you go. I was going to say cereal has sentimental value. As I get older, I've come to appreciate cinnamon life more. Um, so that's on the list next. I got three pebbles now. We're going to go to cinnamon life after this. Pat? Um, it's a toss up. It's either for me going to be Reese's Puffs or uh, Crunch Berries. Yeah. I mean, both. You know, crunch berries, they really do like sort of they're serrated, so they sort of cut your mouth up a little See, bit. But. That's what yeah. that's why you gotta go crunch berries and not cap and crunch, because cap and crunch is basically eating a bowl of milk and sandpaper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do I do believe that there are more good cereals than bad though. Yeah. Like like yeah. you walk through the cereal aisle, there might be a few you immediately shun, but there's more like there's more you would have a hard time deciding what to get than what not to get. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sean Griffin asks, top three most quotable movies. <sighs> most quotable. I I watch the same approximately 11 movies all the time over and over again. Um, I'm just going to give one for the sake of time. Uh, the original Clerks. It's mm. a good choice. Mm. Um, I, you got to put Anchorman on that list. Like you can't not. Everybody everywhere ever has quoted it. Mm. I'm going to go beer fest. Oh man. I <laughs> love that. That's one of my all time favorites. I, and beer fest reminds me of super troopers, which is also a good quotable one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was probably going to go beer fest pulp fiction. I can get behind both of those. Slapshot. Slapshot's good. Uh, my other thought was the departed. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, that might be not even top for me for quotable, but just top overall. I love movie. that movie. It's a very good movie. Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I always do the I always do the pint quote. Yeah. OK, Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Rich Miller, Pride of Connellsville. Asks, wow. Uh, what are your thoughts on adding an additional puck to the game to increase scoring? <laughs> now, I don't, I've been thinking about this because I did see Rich's question in advance. Um, and first of all, Rich, stop tweeting at us and enjoy your retirement. Number two, <laughs> isn't he uh, overseas I mean, right now? I mean, I mean, thank you for listening, but enjoy your retirement. <laughs> Keep listening to the podcast, but just don't tweet us. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I think that not only should we introduce a second puck, I think we should have nets uh, on the near on on the boards. <laughs> so so you have nets long ways and sideways as well. So four nets, two pucks. It would basically be like playing um one of the games on fusion frenzy i'm dating myself there but hey if they did that pens never would have given up mark andre Fleury. i agree <laughs> um what else we got oh, no that's a stupid fucking question i'm not reading that wow right. wow that was <clears throat> executive wow. decision no. hey mike why are you such a dick <laughs> uh tim bowers asks Thoughts ah, on Mike of the pod, friend of the pod, Tim. Mike Tim. Sullivan's use, use of waterboarding as punishment for delay of game penalties. You know what? I like it. Uh, it's more extreme than Mike Johnston hitting players with a taser for dumping the puck in, which 
big fan of that as well. A little more topical as well in the days of torture, I guess. I think oh yeah. Punishment. Sh- I think the punishment should be the players having to read Tim's Twitter account. <laughs> oh, sick uh, burn. Okay. Nick Case asks if you don't take your stake with a modicum of pink in the middle, how many people have you secretly killed since you're clearly a psychopath? Love a well done steak. I love a well done steak. Jesse, I'm, please tell me you're joking. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving right I now. Love a well done steak. Look, let me be honest with you. I don't prefer steak well done. I don't prefer it that way. I don't cook it. I don't cook it that way for myself. But you telling me you sat a plate of well done steak down in front of you guys, you'd be like, oh, bro, that, I'm, not, I'm not eating. That's this is fair. bullshit. That's fair. I, mean, I don't care. I, I mean, I've had my. I grew up in a family that had a lot of vegetarians. They didn't know how to cook meat. They didn't give a shit. They threw it on there until they thought they were done. And then it, you got slapped down on the plate. There was no saying to my mom, hey, mom, learn how to cook steak that you don't ever eat and haven't at any point in your life. Like, no, I, I'll take it. I don't care. Steak, steak to me. I, I give you a point. Right. You know what? Fine. Yeah, you, you, that's fine. But I mean, I don't know if either of you guys watch the show Bob's Burgers. But if you do, I'm Bob before he goes to the theater. Just go fine. But I'm just going to complain the whole time. You throw a well done steak in front of me, fine, but I'm gonna complain the whole time. Yeah, I'll I'll eat it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how much better it could have been. Let me ask you a question. What's your stance on A1? It's fine. It's fine, but if you cook your steak correctly, you don't need it. Agree. Okay. I just there's some purists that are like, you can't I eat, I think A1 if you grill a pork chop, oh if A1's fantastic for a grilled pork chop. I was gonna say A one for being quote unquote steak sauce is better used for like burgers and pork. Yeah. I was gonna say ideally it's on like a but like a cheese steak with peppers and onions. I mean I would even take I mean, yeah. 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 Uh next question, Peep from the Pence blog asks, how do you pronounce envelope? Which I guess gives up my answer. Envelope. envelope. Envelope versus envelope. Yeah, I don't say envelope. I'm an envelope no. guy. Yeah, envelope. Uh, let's see. We got two more. Uh, this one's not really a question. Um, By the way, you're a hypocrite if you say envelope but don't say aunt. Yeah, Sorry. right? One you're, of the you're a hypocrite. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Even though, even though they're spelled very differently, that's fair. I've gotten so angry during this question segment for some reason. I think it was uh, Mike. You set the tone. You I'm just <laughs> took it to a dark place so quickly. That I'm like, I'm now there with you. I can't get uh, out. This one is not a question. <clears throat> not really. But I'm going to read it because friend of the pod, Chet, asks. Oh, Chet. Yeah, we love Chet. Uh, says they should cancel offsides. Players <laughs> wouldn't just stand around <laughs> in the ozone. That's so dumb. There isn't any difference between cherry picking at the opposite blue line and cherry picking 10 feet past it. Offsides was invented by Hallmark to sell fucking cards. <laughs> Thoughts. <laughs> Chet took full advantage of the 280 character limit. I want right. to know if Chet's on the debate team because I got no comeback to that. <laughs> that's, that's a, that hey, that's a take that could put even Ben, Sh- ben Shapiro. At, that, at, Hallmark, that Hallmark line's a dagger. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, he's hey. right. I mean, you know how many times I've had to buy a sorry for your offsides card? <laughs> Jesus Christ. At least a thousand. If I've had to do it once, I've had to do it a million times. Okay. I'm constantly it's harder to, to find in English. I'm constantly going to CBS. CBS, free sponsorship opportunity for this podcast right here. I know you're listening. But no, he's, he, he's right, oh. though. Um, th- there's there's no difference, and it's not and enough of the players today aren't going to do that. It's just... It's preposterous because you're leaving one team or your team at a disadvantage if you cherry pick all the way down the other line. 
Yeah. Look, I know you. I know you just said that none of the players in the league right now are going to do it. But lest we forget that Ilya Kovalchuk is back in the National Ooh, Hockey that's League. Right. Yeah. And and it is one of those things. If they ever decided to do it, it would be like a risk versus reward. It would work out one out of ten times, and the other nine, your coach would be pulling his hair out on the bench because it's basically a power play while you're standing down there. Yep. If you have an ins- if you have a goaltender that poke checks like Mark Andre Fleury, he'd be 15 feet out of the crease standing on top of the. <laughs> <out of time. laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question comes from Morgan, who spurred the sandwich debate from last week. It's gonna be tough, uh, tough to live up to that, Morgan. I'm gonna be honest. I, What's I he got? think he may have. If I'm from the two thousand Penguins team, with the caveat that Mario Lemieux does not count, and put them on the current Penguins roster, who would it be and why? Hey, hey, Mike, you you broke up there for a sec. Could you repeat the question? Oh, sorry. legitimately, I like I heard with oh, Lemieux sorry. being an exception, okay. that was it. If you could take anyone from the 2002-2003 Penguins with the caveat that Mario Lemieux does not count and put them on the current Penguins roster, who would it be and why? Like in the state that they existed that year? I, I would say uh, he did not clarify, but I, since I read the question, I, I would say style of play in 2002-2003. Well, Alexei Kovalev. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, that's not even a question to me. Yes. Okay, yeah, so let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. Because that's not fair because Kovalev was that good. So let's take Kovalev out. Let's say no Lemieux, no Kovalev. Now let's rethink this because that's going to make this a lot harder. How about Rico Fata? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we going the so same So the Penguins – we also have to acknowledge that the Penguins – uh, by the way, I'm also going to remove Martin Straka. So no Damn, Kovalev, that's what I was just going to ask. No, no Kovalev, no Straka, no Lemieux. So we also have to acknowledge that right now the Penguins don't have a lot of space defensively. And as much as I'd love to have that version of Dick Tarnstrom and his 56 points that season, which led <laughs> the team, by the way, on the Penguins roster, no space for that. No space for that. And I had to take Joseph Melikar uh, over Dick Tarnstrom anyway because he was, he was before he separated his shoulder nine times. Um, so I'm going forward for sure. What about a lot Captain, of crappy what, forwards? What about Captain Steve McKenna? I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> it's a hard, that's a hard pass. You, you I'm going to, I'm going to, before, before you answer, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to play the, uh, shootout card. Lexi Morozov. Oh, it's a good one. Can't stand him. <laughs> Not as a person, I'm sure he's a great guy. I just you know what I, 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 for no other everything. for no other reason than the fact that he was always good in NHL 2003. Tomas Sarovi. You know, I was leaning towards Tomas Sarovi or or uh, Vili Nieminen. My only reason was because I remember in NHL 2003, anytime I'd have a season as the Penguins, Sarovi was they made him good for God knows what reason. Oh my God, no! You know who I take is uh, Samuelson. Oh, that's right. They had him. Yeah, they traded him to Vancouver for the pick to get Flurry. Ah, you, that's my answer. Would you also maybe consider uh, taking one of the best GMs in the National Hockey League in Bergevin? Uh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Did anybody see the picture of him at the ball? I was, ball I was just going to oh. say, the way he looks now, I might rather take him in his current state. Yeah. He's jacked. Unbelievable, dude. He looks like riffraff. <laughs> he, he must have made some kind of agreement that he has to bench more when he makes a bad trade. Oh, yeah. he's 
He's still on the bench right now. <laughs> he still hasn't made up on. He's still pumping. He hasn't stopped yet. Uh, oh. so wait, uh, breaking. We have um, we have one other uh, reader question. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, Pat Damp of the Dying Alive podcast. Question for Jesse Marshall. Jesse, what is name one good thing that's good about being a part of Dying Alive? We're a podcast. (laughs) 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 Ladies and gentlemen, that's my Pierre Dorian impression for tonight. Please don't skip your. That was good. That was very good. Um. Well, Mike, I'm gonna go ahead. I was gonna say the only thing we were missing was the video of him being interviewed and his eyes being all 360 degrees trying to think of something. Um, there's a video on YouTube that somebody made that is, I think, 14 minutes long. Um, and in the first obvious second, they say, what's something great about the Ottawa Senators? And then it's 14 minutes of silence. <laughs> of, him, of him looking <laughs> and they, around. Yeah, and they looped him looking around, and then he goes, we're a team. And it's over. It's the greatest YouTube video of all time. Was there um, – the meme of uh, Friedman's face, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, good. yeah. No, Elliot was struggling. <laughs> And he, he tried to like, he tried to like make or explain it on 31 thoughts and just, he would like, no, Elliot, you heard him say we're a team and your jaw dropped. You weren't trying to get him out of it. Um, Some things you can't explain. So let's briefly just touch base on the fact that the Steelers won. They did. uh, I went to sleep. I think it was 30 to 16 at that time. I was surprised. surprised. It was a lot closer than (laughs) I expected. Uh, you can never count out, uh, that defense. Um, I don't know, Mike, that, and I, it pains me to say this again, but I really don't know that, uh, Liverpool are going to lose ever this, this year in the league. Honestly, um, they lost today, but not in the league. That was a non-league game. Health. If they can stay healthy, I find a hard time disagreeing with you. I'm not going to play forever blue today. Chelsea. He did educate Pat on the structure of English League football today by pointing out that in the uh, English League Cup today, the uh, uh, West Ham United defeated Macclesfield Town 8-0. And Macclesfield Town is apparently a real place. It is, yes. You ever think Um, Macclesfield needs to just mackle less? Yeah. I mean, they don't want to mackle more. That that much is, you know. (laughs) So so the, the, the (laughs) the coming weekend is the big one. Liverpool still perfect in the league. Chelsea were perfect in the league until I think they lost last weekend. Did, or no, they did not lose, but they did not win. They drew with somebody, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't remember. It was a pretty good result. You know. And I mean, yeah, the, the Steelers did win despite their best efforts. Um, by the way, Macclesfield Town, they're the Silk Men, Mike. That's, the, that's their... Yeah, that's their nickname. They go by the Silkmen. Jesus Christ. I will say, though, Mike, in a, in a, in two things about – we'll close out the soccer talk. Uh, the West Ham did have – they have a kid in the academy uh, named uh, uh, D- uh, Grady Diangana, um, who's been in the academy, I think, since he was like 13, 14 years old. Um, and, and, you know, under previous managers, uh, West Ham's academy was kind of flushed down the toilet, I think, a little bit. Um, but when um, – Pellegrini, when Manuel Pellegrini came in, one of the things he said is, I want control of, of the system. Mm-hmm. I want to own it. I want to take it over. Uh, Grady uh, Diangana came up today, uh, started, 
uh, at 18 years old uh, for West Ham and, and scored a brace. No big deal to him. No big deal to him. Uh, but that's just cool to see. And if you haven't yet, please go on uh, line, Mike. And did you watch the video of Pogba and Marino from training yesterday? I did not, but I heard watch. I heard please. about the whole nonsense of him saying he will never captain the club again and all this. Well, they had a, a counter at um, training, and I don't know if you know any lip readers. You might need them, but you can't hear the audio. But boy, did they have a nice exchange. And all I'm saying is, West Ham unbeaten in three, playing with confidence, found their pace getting Arnautovic back this weekend. And they have United coming? Going to Old Trafford. Oh, baby. That's spicy. I'm telling you right now. That's spicy. West Ham come away from this match with three points. That would not be a big deal to me. Yeah. Not a big deal. Anyway, do we have anything else we'd like to uh, throw in here? I think that's it. I have nothing to plug because I'm partially useless. What's (laughs) What's everybody eating for dinner tonight? Um... I'm honestly probably going to eat party mix. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> party mix. Is it the one with, like pretzels and bugles and? Uh, it's like it's pretzels, corn chips, Doritos, uh, cheese puffs. Yeah, that's uh, great. That's super healthy. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. ordered a pizza. Since I'm in a hotel in Philadelphia, I ordered a pizza from Original Pete's Pizza and Wings. Okay. I've got some pizza left over from yesterday. Um, yeah. And uh, if we're going to plug, let's plug uh, UC Ricola's story up on The Athletic today. Josh he's got something about Daniel Sprong um, adding fuel to the debate about him. So uh, stop by and check that out. I don't have much to plug. I did a recap a few days ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think that's still fine. That's still fine. <laughs> So, I mean, if you if you want to read my, my recap, take off your pants and blue jacket, it's up on Penn's blog. Okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't got much else. So thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. We'll see you uh, next, see you next week. week. Yeah, next week. Uh-huh.